This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Wednesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Harmon Dial is here. Harmon, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well as always. How are you, man? I'm good. the The young sensation. I was telling somebody about you yesterday, and um, you're un, like, I don't think anybody knows or um, would assume how old you are. Like that is the the whiz kid is how I describe you. The hockey whiz. Oh man, you're making me blush. No, it's true. You're, you're like I would have. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's baffling that uh, you can pull it off at. Um, what is it? Thirteen years old, I believe. Nineteen now, actually. Nineteen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe but, that's why people are so impressed, right? They yeah, think maybe. I'm thirteen, not nineteen. <laughs> like you're not even in the twenties yet. That's the most important thing here. Um, but anyway, you are the Canucks beat writer for the Athletic Vancouver. Um, you host the Game Theory podcast. You are a busy guy, but um, I always enjoy talking hockey with you. And um, I'm excited to talk about a couple things because I think um, now that we're a quarter of the way into the season, I think um, it's time that we go ahead and we, we, we just have to start with the, the Edmonton Oilers being on pace to win 50 games. Do you um, believe that, that that's attainable and that this team is for real? Uh, I don't know whether they can make the playoffs or not. That's an entirely different question as far as that's, I think, realistically attainable given the state of the Pacific Division. Uh, but I think if you look at a lot of their uh, underlying numbers, the Oilers aren't really controlling a lot of even strength play. They're consistently getting outshot and outchanced. Uh, as we all know, they're always going to be top heavy and extremely dependent on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And heaven forbid, if one of those two are Ryan Nugent Hopkins or James Nielver goes down, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. But I think the biggest thing so far, and this is the one uh, aspect for me that I think is probably unsustainable, is the level of goaltending they've gotten from Mike Smith, who's in his uh, late 30s. And you usually don't see a goaltender like that rebound as well as he has. And than Miko Koskinen, who was written off not only by many on the media side of things, but a lot of NHL executives just aren't, like when The Athletic did their anonymous GM poll of all the different starting goaltenders in the league, uh, Koskinen ranked near the bottom. And so if you look at what type of goaltending Edmonton has gotten so far, uh, it's not outside of this world. It's We're talking about uh, a shade under na- uh, 913, which is still top 10 in the league. Uh, but between that and the fact that they're uh, shooting at a pretty high clip, I think they're in for some regression just because they've had a little bit of puck luck. So I think 50 wins is a little bit too far. But 
I, I think if they stay relatively healthy, they certainly still have a shot to make the postseason. So it sounds like you just don't think they're they can really contend for the cup. Do you, like are they in a different tier? Like what are your tiers right now? Yeah, uh, to me, uh, I'd have to spend a lot more time on it, but I definitely don't have Ed- Edmonton in the legitimate Stanley Cup yeah. contender bracket yet. Uh, and like Leon Draisaitl, like he's a hell of a player, but he's not going to continue scoring thirty six points every twenty games. So it's it's one of those things where everything has seemingly gone right for the Oilers so far. And some of those things aren't going to last over a full 82 games. Yeah. I, it seems kind of boring right now. And who tier one is like the blues are just awesome. Again, um, you look at certain teams like that, uh, that just we're we're kind of overthinking it. The, the Bruins are awesome. Again, the capitals are awesome. Again, the Islanders are awesome. Again, it's not a lot of turnover. Yeah. I think you do have, uh, a few few different teams fighting in the mix, but more or less, to me, it's it's funny because uh, aside from Arizona really taking that next step and they're eleven six and two, uh, and of course Vancouver has gone off to a pretty hot start. There aren't a lot of surprise stories, but in having said that, there isn't a whole like there 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 aren't many teams that are out of it right now. Like if you if you even look, for instance. Tampa Bay as it stands, and mind you, they have games in hand, but for instance, they're they're yeah, they're twenty-first in the league right now, but they're mm-hmm. eight, five, and two. So they're off of course, relative to their own standards, it's not a hot start, but it's still like eight, five, and two is a pretty good record. And of course they're gonna like I'd be shocked if they didn't even um there's I the offense just it's good, but not great. Like there's nothing I, I yeah, don't know. like they're on my list. Like, what do you make of Tampa Bay right now? Yeah, I mean, to me, that's a team. They just have so much a combination of both elite shooting talent and 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 with Andre Vasilevsky between the pipes, good goaltending as well. So I think that that's one that that's an example of uh, a team that'll probably rebound. And I haven't I haven't actually checked out a lot of the special teams data yet, but I imagine that's uh, one of the areas where. Um, I don't think they've gotten off to a blindingly good start. And I'll look it up right now. But uh, point being, I think they're just too talented not to get on a hot roll. And yeah, I mean, 8-5-2 and two is still a fine start. It's just the point that I was making was uh, in the NHL right now, because of the parity, it seems like everyone's on a really level playing field aside from the obvious rebuilding teams like your uh, LA Kings, yeah, Senators, uh, your your Red Wings, and of course there there are a couple of disappointments in there. Uh, Chicago, Columbus, Devils. Uh, yeah, Devils, Wild. But on the whole, I think the league has been is very competitive right now. It's just yeah, as you said, there isn't a whole lot of change in the tier one as far as who's a legit cup contender, aside from maybe Colorado. Yeah, um, are you a Colorado believer? You know, it's interesting because at the start of the year, I wasn't um, very optimistic about them. I felt that they were maybe a year away from that. But uh, the big difference has been their depth. And I liked the additions of, for instance, Jonas Donskoy and Andre Burakovsky. But I did not, for instance, expect Donskoy to have nine goals already and 14 points in 18 games. Burakovsky has been uh, excellent. Kadri's fit in really well. 
and I think the biggest difference has been Philip Grubauer between the pipes has been really solid. And I, and I think that was by my biggest concern was they were losing uh, Varlamov as well, who was sort of the 1B in their tandem rotation last year. Uh, and you look at Grubauer's performance so far, he's, he's, he's at a solid 915 clip. I think he was uh, a little bit like he came out of the gate lights out. And so I think he's regressed a little bit, but uh, I think on the whole to me, goaltending is going to be the key for them. And it's been absolutely ridiculous what Kale McCarr has done so far. Uh, like talk about a guy who he's got 18 points in 18 games as a rookie defenseman. Like that is amazing. And you rarely ever see defensemen win the Nor- or win the Calder trophy, but this could very well be the year. Yeah, I um I don't know. I feel like how I don't know. How many times have we had a uh back-to-back repeat uh Stanley Cup final with um the Blues and the Bruins also? Uh, I think the last time big... was probably 0809 with uh with Detroit Pittsburgh? and Pittsburgh. Or, yeah. In back-to-back years. Hmm. Pittsburgh, another team going through it right now. Crosby out. They're hanging around, but I th- they're interesting. I mean, do you think they're a playoff team? Do you think the Penguins can can hold on? Yeah, it's that's to, that to me is is a really tough one. But I think if you look at a lot of the players that have stepped up uh, in their void, for instance, Jared McCann has has done well, and he's obviously had to carry uh, a lot of that load now. And he's he again, he's got eleven points in in sixteen games, six goals. Uh, he's looked pretty promising, and I think it's very important that they got Evgeny Malkin back just as Crosby exited the lineup because I think if you had both Malkin and Crosby out for, say, two or three weeks or even uh, longer, then perhaps that's a situation where they're in a little bit of trouble. Uh, you look at it right now, they're still they're 10-6-2, and, and to me, I think I think a lot of people... Uh, tend to forget just how good Jake Gensel is as well. Uh, a, a lot of times, and it's only, it's quite natural when you have a guy playing next to Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin that he sometimes gets overlooked a little bit, but Gensel scored 40 goals last year, and, and he's been really hot again. So between him and and McCann and some of the other players that are stepping up, I think they've got a li- enough offense where they can sustain, say, uh, a four-week period without Crosby. If it's longer, like if you're talking about two or three months without him, then I think it's a little bit difficult. But if, like, if Genny Malkin is one of those players who, if he turns it on, he when he's at the peak of his game, he can be the best player in the league. Now he can be inconsistent, which is, which is why, for instance, last year he struggled. But he really had a chip on his shoulder coming into this campaign, and so this opportunity now without Crosby also gives him that opportunity to show people he still got it because he wants to prove people wrong. There have been a lot of people doubting him. There were, you know, outside speculation of potential trade rumors swirling. Malkin's going to want to prove himself, and I think this is one of those. Uh, chances for him to really step up to the occasion and I think I mean, that's what I expect to see out of him what do you make of the Coyotes extending their GM this week yeah I think John Chaika to me just I I, I kind of look at the Coyotes as overall uh, rebuild to this point and 
I, I can see them being a good team. And you, you talk to any, like in the preseason when I talked to a lot of the players in the Canucks dressing room, and what I did was I ran a player poll of which team do you think would surprise people. And I got a couple of answers of Arizona because people, the players were just lauding how hard the Coyotes work. They've got that dog on a bone mentality. Uh, and yeah, to this point, they absolutely have. And I think if you look at uh, some of the underlying metrics, they're certainly controlling play pretty well at even strength. To me, though, I look at the I look at the bigger picture, and they just don't have elite talent as it stands. I don't think they've done a particularly good job drafting, and it's kind of hard. Like you need you need your franchise cornerstone pieces to win. Uh, to win a Stanley Cup. And that, to me, is the biggest beef that I have with the Coyotes. I find it difficult to see a path where they have the elite talent to, in the long run, win a Stanley Cup. Now, how much of that falls at Chaika's feet, that's certainly debatable. Personally, um, I'm in, I'm a little bit on, on the outside, so uh, I, of course, need to do a little bit of digging on this, but I'm definitely on the fence because... You look at some of their recent moves too, like acquiring Phil Kessel, for instance. I wasn't really a huge fan of that because he's 32 years old and you've already seen signs of a decline. He's on a big contract. Uh, he's got 10 points in 19 games. And before that, Alex Galchenyuk, the player who who went to Pittsburgh, he was acquired from Max Domi. And Domi's been an excellent player uh, Dylan Strom has been phenomenal in in Chicago. Although to be fair, Nick Schmaltz has really uh, he's put together a, a good start with 15 points in 19 games. But um, yeah, like I think their poster board moves, for instance, when they traded away the seventh overall pick to try and accelerate the rebuild process, uh, they acquired Derek Stefan, Anti Ranta. Those moves just haven't paid off. They haven't been able to take that next step. They tried to accelerate things. It's working now, but I think. We're at a point now where for the next few years, we might see Arizona in that mushy middle, sort of like Minnesota of years past, where maybe they make the playoffs. But uh, I see I see it tough for them to really make some noise beyond that. Yeah, they're interesting. And it's another good uh, test case, like you said, of like teams with no top end talent, like the no like the lack of the proven superstar, like what they can actually do come come playoff time. Um, I don't know. They're a good story. Right, like uh, oh, for sure. This, um, market like that needs needs a competitive hockey team, and I'm certainly glad that they're off to a good start. And uh, it seems like a group years. of players that, yeah, <laughs> and at least I mean they're a group of underdogs, so they've got some sort of identity, and that's at least something that works um, in their favor. But yeah, like I I look at uh, a team over the past decade like the Montreal Canadiens they never had that star talent and sure they were a good team and consistently made the playoffs for uh for for quite some time but they never really seemed to do any damage in the playoffs and I think the ultimate goal of any franchise is to win a win a Stanley Cup um, I just think that the way their team trajectory is going right now they need to get a little bit lucky to land that star talent and I think I mean, they've got one nice piece, one really nice piece in Clayton Keller, who I'm a huge fan of. But, you know, for instance, Oliver Ekman Larson, I just don't think he's quite the same defenseman that he was a few years ago either. So uh, I think you're a little bit lacking in the high end, uh, uh, high end talent department there. Roberto Lamuango, 
He can't stay away from the Panthers. Yes, and I think it's it's funny because um, it's just it's so blatantly obvious that that was um, a cap circumvention uh, sort of decision, and there was certainly a handshake deal done in place that that was going to happen because uh, by retiring uh, Vancouver gets screwed over. They uh, now carry a three million dollar dead cap hit, but. Uh, Florida ended up ended up benefiting out of that, and and for, for from Luongo's perspective, because he retired, he wasn't going to officially get the money that was still owed on his contract, and so I think it was pretty obvious if Luongo was going to retire that he was going to return to the Panthers in some sort of capacity, uh, just so there was some reason for Florida to be paying him some dough. So uh, yeah, that's that's probably part of a handshake deal uh, that was done offseason. Yeah, he's a beauty. Like, you can't say enough good things about uh, Roberto Luongo. Everyone that I've talked to has um, has said nothing but rave reviews about him as a person. He's a great personality. Uh, he He's just so funny on, on Twitter. Uh, he has He's self-deprecating, which a lot of people can relate to. Uh, you often don't see that out of professional athletes. Uh, and yeah, he's just an overall beauty. I'm about it. Um, the Canucks. We need to talk about them a little bit because my favorite thing about the Canucks is that they lead their um, division in point differential and they're third right now. Yeah. Um, it's weird. You don't see yeah, that very often. Yeah, I think a lot of it has been that, they, that their October schedule, if you look into um, quality of competition data, was the easiest easiest in the league. So... I think that certainly plays uh, plays a role into it. And, of course, you get a little bit of puck luck along the way. But uh, October was a genuinely solid month for them, not only because they beat up on those opponents, but uh, it, they were legitimately dominating at even strength. Their special teams were very good. It just, on the whole, was very convincing. And the fact that they banked those early points um was huge because they've dropped i want to say five of their last seven they just won the other night uh, against nashville which is a huge victory because november's have been notoriously difficult for them last season for instance they got off to again um, an excellent start in october and they dropped uh, 14 of 16 games a stretch that started in november so it's it's one of those things where they, they, they've looked pretty impressive to date, but I think a lot of people are still cautiously optimistic just because um, in Vancouver we've seen so many instances of the team doing well in October only to crumble um, before, before Christmas is even over. So uh, that's, that, that's a story where I think if they can hold their own, they have a tough schedule. They're playing a ton in November so far, and you can see how that's affected their play. But if they can hold their own and just weather the storm here, then they have, they have, uh, they have a good shot at making the playoffs for sure. Is there any chance the sharks could pull a 2018, 19 blues? Uh, I mean, you never say never, but I'm not personally a huge believer in the sharks. I think they lost key depth. Um, they of course had, um, Joe Pavelski go, who is their captain, their heart and soul type player but he was also still really productive for them and um a key piece in their top six and and so obviously he's departed Jonas Donskoy who we mentioned is thriving in Colorado he was uh he's an example of a player who 
probably would have been able to step up in Pavelski's void and, and help out offensively. But he's, of course, gone. Uh, Gustav Nyquist, who they signed, um, or sorry, who they traded for uh, at the uh, at the deadline last year, he walked in free agency. So uh, they've lost a lot of their key guns that got them far and deep into the postseason last year. And beyond that, I mean, Joe Thornton's another year older. Eric Carlson just doesn't look the same, which is pretty terrifying to think, given that he's making $11.5 million per year for the next eight seasons. Uh, and and so to me, I just see an overall aging core. I think they're not too far out of it as far as making the postseason. This is a team that if their goaltending is even close to average, which it hasn't been for a very long time, I want to say that they're uh, that their play, that their save percentage last year was 31st in the regular season, and Martin Jones has been awful again. So I think that to me is the most puzzling thing. They didn't address their goaltending, uh, but I think if that rebounds even a little bit, and you have goalies whose save percentages aren't in the 800s, then San Jose they can make the playoffs. But I don't think they they have the same horses to go uh, deep in the postseason and, and win a cup again. Or, well, they haven't won a cup, but just going deep in the postseason. Um, the last thing, and we've uh, we got to wrap up here. Um, Dallas, they've they've won, I think, eight of ten. Um, Corey Perry getting uh, his thousandth game, I believe, tonight. Shout out to him for making it that far. Um, what what do you think of the Stars? Do you think that this is a team on the upward trajectory? Do you think this is a team that can um, really start to break through? Uh, this is an interesting one for me because going into the season, I was pretty skeptical of the stars. I thought that they were really lucky with goaltending last year between, uh, Hudobin and, uh, of course the starter Ben Bishop. Uh, they were, I think top five, top three in the league in safe percentage and, and Bishop, who's typically been a, a nine fifteen type starter, a league average uh, number one played out of his mind, so that was one of those uh, things that went really well for them that I didn't see sustainable going into this season, and we've seen a little bit of regression uh, in that vein. Um, I don't know. I've just never been terribly fond of the Stars as far as the roster construction. I think um, I think Jamie Ben and Alex uh, Alexander Radulov, all their great players, they. Are, are starting to slowly show si- show signs of decline. I'm a huge fan of Mir Heiskanen on the back end. I think that's one area of the Stars team that, um, especially when John Klingberg is firing, who I want to say is on the IR right now. But uh, when those guys sort of get going, their blue line's really good. But um, on the whole, I just don't think that they have enough depth as it stands and sure could they sneak into the playoffs i could see it but uh to me i don't think this is a team that escapes round one of the playoffs if if they do make it all right well this has been a pleasure as always man um is there anything we can check out from you this week at the athletic vancouver uh yeah so i have um so i mean again this is probably going to be of interest mostly for canucks fans but at the athletic uh, dot com. I, I wrote um, a column on Monday. I spoke to uh, a bunch of uh, league sources and, and got to the bottom of Troy Stetcher's long-term future um, with the Canucks. He's 
uh, got an expiring contract. He's um, an RFA, so the Canucks can still hold his rights. But um, there's been a lot of trade rumors circulating uh, about him, and I basically just unpacked some of the factors um, that will affect uh, his future, got into the potential trade market for him and the league perception if the Canucks end up uh, flipping him in the offseason. And, uh, uh, yeah, just a lot of behind the scenes on, on what's going on in, uh, in that predicament. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the time as always, sir. Keep up the great work and I will talk to you again soon. Always happy to be on, man. All right, we're back on the Chase Thomas podcast. I'm now joined by Wes Blankenship. He's been covering Georgia football for years, an avid Atlanta sports aficionado um we unfortunately are in the same city with the predicament of atlanta sports right now and i was almost mad online about the braves and the reported interest in mike moustakis and all of that stuff but we're not going to get into the braves we're going to get into georgia auburn weekend because i am an auburn guy you are a georgia guy i wanted to pick your brain on what you think going into this this saturday because now it's even more interesting in that Gus Malzahn was listed as the favorite for the Arkansas job from Bruce Feldman this week on The Athletic. And then you have Georgia um, not allowing a rushing TD getting pro this season, which is still insane to me. But also, they're number four in the college football playoffs. So um, they hopped Alabama. Bama's five. A lot a lot riding on Georgia going into Auburn this weekend. Um, I, How are you feeling about this matchup? Are you nervous at all about going into, into Jordan-Hare? Uh, Chase, thanks first and foremost for having me on tonight. Uh, no, I listen, Georgia's defense is what it is. There's a reason why the Bulldogs are in the uh, top four of the college football playoff this week. I know they had the bad loss to South Carolina, but they got two good wins, um, against Florida and say what you will about Notre Dame, still a top 25 win, something that Alabama doesn't have. And that's why Alabama fans are Mm -hmm. upset. But if you look at the history of the college football playoff and teams that have thrived in it, the teams that have better defenses are the ones that make it, and they're the ones that go deep into it. And right now, Georgia is the second-best defense in the country behind Ohio State. Now, listen, are, are their stats padded a little bit, and will they continue to be padded um, this week against Bo Nix, a true freshman? Absolutely. Um, they faced a couple backup quarterbacks. Um, they faced some true freshmen in there as well, and, and that only, hurt, uh, only helps you, rather. But Auburn's defense given up. 17 points per game. Georgia's defense giving up 10 points per game. I know it's at home, and I think that's what's kind of cut into this spread. Georgia's two and a half, three point favorites, depending on where you look. And uh, I think the difference there is Bo Nix. I think that will be the difference in this week's game. And uh, even though Auburn's defense, once again, a really solid, stout group like Georgia faced against Florida a few weeks back, Georgia still does have guys on offense. James Coley showed that he can use the weapons that Georgia has. There are no slouches at recruiting. We know that, and it seems like Kirby is almost in this mindset where once he gets a lead, he's going to put the clamps down. He did that against Mizzou. Uh, He did it against Kentucky, and we did see them have the ability to open it up against Florida with Dominic Blaylock and Lawrence Cager getting into the end zone. And uh, with all reports that Lawrence Cager is healthy, I think Georgia's offense – and who can forget DeAndre Swift, two of the longest runs in his career uh, against the Auburn Tigers. So Georgia has the offensive weapons 
against a really good defense, and they have the drastic advantage, I think, on the defensive side of the ball against a freshman quarterback. What is your biggest concern about containing uh, Bo Nix this weekend? I just think the fact that he is pretty good at home. I mean, you look at the numbers. Yeah, and He's a totally different quarterback. A, it's like eight TDs, two picks, and yep. he's like completing 80%. Of, like everything is different at home for him, which shouldn't be that yeah. surprising with a fresh, true freshman quarterback. Yeah, I mean, the, the crowd's on his side, and um, he's only getting better as the year goes on. Uh, Auburn kid, through and through, it's his dream to play there. Um, but an SEC defense is what it is. And the numbers that Georgia has on paper right now are just unbelievable with the amount of points they've given up against SEC competition. They're in the double digits. The next closest team is Auburn, and it's, like, not even close. It's, like, 50 50 points more than Georgia's given up in SEC play. So uh, it's definitely going to be the best test defensively that Knicks has seen this season. I know you go in the swamp and you play against that Florida defense on their home turf. That's that's brutal as well. But Georgia's defense is a complete unit. They're the group that Kirby's wanted since he took over in Athens. And uh, we're seeing that now with the way they're dominating everybody they play. Are you concerned at all with what Jake Fromm is doing the last couple of weeks? Or is there any type, or is there any, kind of concern where you're like oh is he kind of regressing is there anything that you've seen the last couple weeks where you're like oh this is and this is a problem I think with Jake Fromm you just have a guy that only knows 100 percent and like I said earlier it really looks like Kirby once the team has a lead look at the difference in the way the offense was running against Mizzou in the first quarter you get out to an early lead you got like four wideouts you're doing misdirections and then the rest of the game, it looks like the Georgia offense we've seen in every other game except Florida. Um, it's tough to just go 100 miles an hour back down to 50, but I think that's what they're doing with Jake Fromm. That's the way Kirby wants to run the offense. That's the way he thinks he can win the game. So if they're asking Jake this week to go 100%, flip the switch, and pull out all the stops that they'll need to pull out against this Auburn defense, I feel like Jake's going to go in there and have a strong game. Well, how do you think it's ultimately going to unfold? What do you think is going to happen on the Saturday at three thirty? Do you think the UGA will be fine? They'll win. Is this high scoring? What What do you think ultimately happens on Saturday? I think ultimately it's the exact opposite of what we saw in prime time with LSU and Alabama with a high scoring game last Saturday. I expect defense brutal bloody type of game and like i mentioned earlier turnovers will be the difference in this one i think georgia gets at least one off of bo nix and uh they use that and the stats reflect what they've reflected all year georgia's defense just slightly better against sec competition and that's the difference for this game and i think they uh they do cover that three-point spread um i don't want to say easily but when it's only two and a half or three points, I think easily takes on a whole different meaning. So I think they do cover it easily. I I'm conflicted. Um, obviously I want Auburn to win this game, but then again, I really want to move on from the Gus Malzahn era. And if he wins this, it basically, I, it feels like to me, he secures his, his job for at least one more year. Um, 
I don't know. I don't like this feeling going into it of like, I obviously want Auburn to win, but at the same time, I really don't want Gus Malzahn to get another seven year extension for being pretty solid in 10 and two. I, I, I'm very conflicted. You sound like Georgia fans during the end of Mark Rick's career. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what it's like. Um, the offense is just not good. Um, and he's an offensive guy like Kevin Steele is the most valuable asset to this team right now. Um, I don't know. I, I think it, it's time, but I'm concerned that they actually have a real shot here and could beat this Georgia team. And um, I don't know. I, I'm going to say I haven't made a prediction yet, but I am going to say I think Auburn wins this. I really, if this was not at home, I wouldn't even consider it. But I I have not seen enough from this Georgia offense that makes me a, a big time believer. And I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. But uh, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be physical. I think um, Fromm's going to take some bad hits. I'm interested to see how Auburn's defensive line stacks up against Georgia's offensive line. I I think it'll be good. It'll be fun. Um, but we'll we'll just have to see. Well, I know you have to run, Wes. So um, you have this great new podcast idea, Backport Sports. Um, can you uh, give a like a little snippet as to why people should listen and what it is and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, sure. So a few months ago, I uh, just kind of started randomly, uh, just stream of conscious, streaming my thoughts on college football, the NFL, what what have you, on my back porch, and uh, just made them quick little social media segments. And um, you know, I got enough good feedback from it to be dangerous, and uh, figured I'd turn it into a, a podcast idea. So got a couple out right now one's on youtube and the links are already up on spotify if you listen to your podcast there um it should be coming out on youtube and or on um, itunes through apple's podcast here in a couple days but yeah i got a couple up right now on youtube um just talking about auburn georgia this week so uh you should check it out if you like hearing why georgia fans should feel confident about their playoff standings a lot of people doubting their number four ranking Um, My latest episode will tell you why you should feel very good about it. All right. Well, go do that. Go follow Wes. Keep up with um, his new podcast and everything else that he's got going on. Um, Wes, I appreciate it. Good luck with everything in the future and uh, go Tigers. All right. Thank you, man. Take care. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.